following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw or our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. This morning we're continuing our series in the book of Acts. And I want to just remind you that we've got study sheets available for this series. So if you're interested in digging a bit deeper into the passages that we look at in the book of Acts and following up on your own uh, or as a family, then you're welcome to do that. And you can access those study sheets through our website. So this morning, we're looking at this passage in Acts chapter 3, which describes this extraordinary miracle that happened in the life of the early church. And you've just heard that story read out to you. But I want you to just imagine for a minute what this would have been like. Imagine that you were there that day when all this was taking place and just think in your mind's eye of how this would have all unfolded. The scene of this story is the temple in Jerusalem and particularly the temple courts. And these were big outdoor kind of spaces, big outdoor areas where people would gather for all kinds of reasons. It wasn't just purely a religious space. Groups would gather there, children would play there, rabbis would teach there. And the early Christians gathered there as well to, to meet with one another. And so this is where the, the action takes place in the story. The temple courts were also a place where people would come to beg for money. And this story focuses on one particular man who was in the temple courts begging for money that day. He was a disabled man and he was lame in both legs. And he'd been that way from birth. So this guy had never had the experience of being able to walk ever. Uh, he'd never done what you and I take for granted every day to be able to get out of bed and, and walk around and do the things that we need to do. He had all of his life, he'd either been carried or he'd been sitting or he'd been lying down. He'd never had the use of his legs. And in this day, in, the, in these ancient times, people who had disabilities like this, they were complete outcasts from society. Uh, they were treated like the untouchables. They were ostracized often from their families. They were cut off from communities and there was such a huge amount of shame and negative stigma attached to people. So this man would have experienced all of that as well, the social isolation because of this disability that he had. And he was reduced to begging for, for, for money, for any sort of money he could get to buy food. And so every day somebody would have carried him into this place in the temple courts and, and laid him down at, at one of these main gates to the temple, this gate that was called Beautiful. And he knew, I guess, this was the spot to be because there was heavy people traffic in and out of the temple gates. And so this was his best chance to, to beg and have the maximum number of people stop and hopefully give him money. And so on this day, there he is begging for money, probably with a begging bowl or something like that. And Peter and John, two of the apostles, they walk past him. And as they walk past the man, the man calls out to them and asks for money. And they stop. And Peter looks at the man. And the first thing that he says is, look at us. Obviously, the man wasn't even looking at Peter. He may be holding up his begging bowl, but he, he was just maybe looking down at the ground. Maybe he was too ashamed. Maybe he was so humiliated because of his situation, he, he, he couldn't even make eye contact with people. But he lifts his gaze up. As Peter says, look at us, the man looks up. He looks at Peter. And Peter says to him, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And Peter reaches down his hand and he helps this man to his feet. And for the first time ever, this man can feel his legs again. And he feels the sensation coming back into his legs. All these muscles that would have 
just atrophied and wasted away over so many years. Suddenly they, they regain their full strength and he can feel the strength coming back into his legs, back into his ankles, back into his feet. And he comes to his feet and he can feel himself able to support the full weight of his body. What an amazing experience that must have been for this guy, for the very first time, being able to stand there. And he doesn't just stand. As you read the text there, it says he was not just standing, he was walking, and then he was jumping. The guy's just jumping around. He's probably doing cartwheels or something. He was just so elated to have this radically transformed life where suddenly he can walk. And he was clutching on to Peter and John as the story goes on, and he follows them into the temple courts. And the text also says he was praising God, that he recognized that the God of Israel was the one who had healed him. He probably didn't know a lot about Jesus at this time, but he recognized that it was God who had brought this miracle into his life. So he's praising God as he goes. It's an extraordinary miracle, an incredible thing that happened that day. And at one level, you see in this story a demonstration of the power of God at work in the early church. But there's another layer of meaning to this story. There's another layer that takes us deeper into the relevance of this story for our lives today. And to understand this dimension of the story, you need to think a little bit more about the book of Acts as a whole. Now, the book of Acts was written by Luke, the same Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And in fact, originally, Luke and Acts went together as one book. They were just volume one and volume two of, of one big book that Luke wrote. And so when people heard these stories in the book of Acts, and they read these stories or had them read to them, they would have already worked through Luke's Gospel because that was, that was volume one. And so you get to this story and, and you would have already been familiar with what Luke described in the Gospel of the life of Jesus. And if you read the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke is full of miracles that Jesus did. Miracles like this one. Jesus healed people, including people who were lame, people who were paralyzed. Jesus did these miracles of healing. And so by the time you've got up to Acts chapter 3, you've already read all these stories in Luke of all these miracles Jesus did. And now you get to the story of the apostles healing this man. And your first thought would have been, this sounds exactly like what Jesus did. This sounds exactly like the miracles that Jesus performed. And of course, you'd be exactly right. That's, that's the point. We are meant to see this story in connection with the miracles of Jesus. What Peter did this day was deeply connected to the miracles of healing that Jesus performed in his lifetime. Sometimes I think we imagine that when Jesus left earth, it was kind of like a baton pass in a relay race. It was like Jesus had been doing all of this stuff. Jesus had been working all these miracles. But now he's gone off to heaven and he's passed the baton on to his followers. Now the church is kind of carrying on this work and we're doing it all now instead of Jesus. He's, he's back in heaven and now the apostles are doing all of this work instead of him. But in fact, that, that's not at all the way that scripture reads. As you read this story and, and you see this miracle of healing, this is not the apostles performing miracles instead of Jesus. This is Jesus performing a miracle through the apostles. This is Jesus now working through Peter and John. Jesus may have gone back to heaven. Jesus may not be physically present in this story, but Jesus is still there. He's still at work. He was still there that day. He was there now by the presence of his spirit, and he was there now working through his people, but Jesus was just as present and just as powerfully at work. And the same is true today. 
in our lives. Jesus is here today. It's not that Jesus has just gone off and left us to do this task on his behalf. Jesus is working through us today as his people. Jesus is working through us today as his church. When we speak in Jesus' name, when we act in Jesus' name, when we pray in Jesus' name, that's not just a formality. To say in Jesus' name is not just something you say at the end of prayers. That invokes the presence of the risen Jesus who is alive, who is real, who is present, and who is still powerfully at work in our lives and through our lives to bring healing and renewal and power and restoration into the lives of others. Jesus is still working today, just as he was working here through the apostles in Acts chapter 3. So, the question then is, well, what is Jesus doing today? Is he still doing this kind of thing? I mean, this was an amazing story of healing that happened here. Is Jesus still doing these kinds of miracles today? Well, the word that comes to my mind when, when I read this story and I look at what Jesus did for this man, what God did for this man, the word that comes to me is restoration. I think that sums up what, what's happened here. There is, a, there is a sense, this man was so broken. He was so damaged. He, he was just, his life was just in pieces. And here is the power of God coming to bring restoration. And restoration at so many levels. There's the dimension of physical restoration that comes into this man's life. This is the most obvious dimension of, of the story. That he is physically restored. His legs are restored. And you ask the question, can, can God do this today? Does God still work miracles of healing today? And the answer is yes. Yes, he does. Not in every case, not all the time, but God does and can still heal people today. He didn't heal everyone in this day either. There were plenty of people at the temple that day that weren't healed, but this man was. And in the same way, God can and does still heal people today. I remember one Sunday at Shaw, uh, at the end of a service, like I usually do, I invite people to come up for prayer for anything that's going on in their lives. And a young woman was there that day and she came forward and one of our elders was on duty on the prayer team and he met her at the front there and asked what he could pray for her. And she explained how she'd been having this, this pain in her wrists that she'd been living with for a while and, and it, was, it was pretty severe pain. And she just simply asked if he could pray for healing for her. And so this elder in our church, just very humbly, very graciously, without, without any hype, just prayed simply that God would heal this woman. And at the end of the prayer, nothing dramatic happened, but she thanked him and, and off she went. And over the, the next week or so, Anna was in touch with this woman. And this woman said just in, in conversation, you know, I, I came forward for healing for my wrists. And since that time, since that prayer of healing, I haven't had the pain. I haven't had the pain in my wrists. And I think God has healed me through the prayer that was prayed in that service. Now, there, there, there was nothing uh, dramatic that day. There was nothing even visible that happened in that moment. But God worked a miracle of healing in that woman's life. And God invites us to pray genuinely that he would continue to release his healing power into the lives of those who need to experience that today. We, we don't bargain with God. We can't hold God to ransom. God always has the prerogative to grant healing or withhold healing. And we don't know exactly why he heals in some cases and doesn't in others, but he invites us as his children to pray. And Jesus still can and still does heal today. So that's the first level of restoration, that God is still working to bring physical healing and restoration into people's lives today, just as he did for this man. 
But there's a broader level of restoration too that this man experiences. You think of all that negative shame, all that, that stigma that was attached to this man, the, the way in which he was an absolute outcast. Because he was now healed, and because that disability was gone, this man would have been restored socially. This man was probably restored to his family, restored into friendships. He, he was restored into the, into the community. He became again a, a person who, who, who was accepted within the community. Now, it shouldn't have taken that for this man to be accepted by others, but these were the social consequences in his day for what had, what had happened, what had taken place. So this man was restored in this more holistic sense of his social and relational well-being. And in similar ways, Jesus is still at work today through his people, through his church, reaching out into the lives of others to bring healing into relationships, to bring healing into families, to bring healing into marriages, to bring, bring healing into broken, broken hearts, broken lives, broken minds, people's mental and emotional well-being. Jesus is, is wanting to reach into all the cracks and crevices of our lives and our relationships and, and bring healing and bring restoration in a holistic way. And he uses you and I as conduits of that restoration in other people's lives, just like he used Peter. Just this week, uh, our staff team was made aware of a situation with a woman and her family who'd just been moved into emergency housing in Auckland. They'd been in, in another place and that had become unsafe for them. So they'd been moved into this new place and they didn't have a lot of money. They got six kids and in this situation of isolation, that, that's pretty tough going for them. Uh, they were doing it. They were doing it tough, and they needed help. And someone had reached out on their behalf and asked if we could help and support them as a church. So Randall and Mickey Brooks got in touch with this woman and had a conversation with her. And they dropped around some groceries on her doorstep. And this woman sent an email the next day or a message, just expressing her thanks for what had happened. Let me just read you a little bit of that message. She says, "Thank you so much." You guys, Aroha and prayers really lifted my spirit. I really can't describe how loved I feel right now. To see a smile on the boy's face is comforting. We just opened the card. We are so grateful. You have definitely made things a lot easier for us for the next two weeks. I've never been so blessed with generosity. Thanks heaps. Now again, that's just a small step of, of kindness that was taken and, and hopefully just the beginning of a journey that can be walked with this woman. But there's a way in which the restoring love and power of Jesus was made known in someone else's life. That in a small little way, Jesus is doing in that woman's life what he did in this man's life in Acts chapter 3, bringing restoration, bringing healing, bringing hope, bringing renewal. Jesus is doing this today and he's wanting to use us to do it. It's not just about asking, how can God restore my life? It's about asking, well, who might he be wanting to restore through me? Think about the people in your life. Think about the people in your world. Think about people you're in contact with. Think about people God might be bringing across your path who need that restorative touch of Jesus, who need that restorative touch of his spirit. Could you be the one that God is wanting to use to encourage that person, to, to lift their spirits, to... Uh, help them in some practical way, to meet some need, to take around some groceries, whatever it might be, to care for them in some way, to show and express the love of Jesus. God is looking for people who are willing to do this. And of course, the most significant way in which this man was restored was in his relationship with God. We don't want to miss that dimension. The text makes the point of saying he, he went out praising God, that he gave the praise to God for what had happened in his life. And ultimately, we, we help people with the hope 
that their heart might be turned toward the God whose love we're seeking to share. Now, we never help people with an ulterior motive. We, ne we never help them with, with strings attached. That's not how the gospel works. We love people unconditionally. We help people unreservedly, whether or not they ever make that decision to, to give their lives to Jesus. But we know that the greatest need of a person's heart is ultimately to be reconciled to God. And so as we show kindness, we do it in the hope and with the prayer that hearts may be turned towards Christ. Now, I know it's, it's easy for us to think, well, you know, who am I really that God would want to use me in this kind of way? I mean, I'm not Peter. You know, I'm not John. You know, we think Peter, the great apostle, these amazing men of God, and we think, well, who am I? I? I don't have the resources to be able to help people. I don't have these great gifts. I don't really have anything to offer. But I think it's, it's significant, the words that Peter spoke to this man before he healed him, where he says, silver or gold, I do not have. You know, and, and I don't think that's just because Peter didn't happen to have any cash in his pocket at the time. I mean, these apostles, they were not rich people. The early church didn't, didn't have a lot of wealth. They, didn't, they really didn't have any resources. They didn't have assets. They were just simply open and available to God. Even Peter himself, you think of where he started. Peter was just a fisherman. I mean, we think of Peter the great apostle, the great preacher, but Peter was a humble fisherman on the Sea of Galilee. And one day Jesus appeared to Peter and said, follow me. And that was the beginning of it all. Peter left his nets and followed Jesus. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And sure enough, we see the fulfillment of that in Acts, don't we? That Peter is now drawing others, being used by God to draw others into the kingdom, draw others to God. But Peter was just an ordinary guy. God uses ordinary people. It's not about being the best and the, and the brightest and the smartest and the most competent and the most gifted and the most well-resourced. It's just simply about being available. God's just looking for people who are open, who are willing to say, God, I've received so much love from you. I, I just want to be a vessel of your love to others. God, you've been so kind to me. I, I want you to show me how I can show something of your kindness to others. God is just looking for people who are available, people who are willing, people with open hearts who just say, God, I, I want to be used by, by you in whatever way you choose to, to be a channel of your blessing and your love to other people. And I think there's a lesson here as well for the church. You know, the story is told of a, a, a dialogue in the 13th century between the Pope of the day, who was Pope Innocent II, and the theologian Thomas Aquinas. And one day the Pope was counting this large sum of money that had been given to the church. And Thomas Aquinas walks in. And the Pope says to him, You see, Thomas, the church can never again say, Silver and gold I do not have. And Thomas looked at him and said, yes, Holy Father, but neither can she say, rise and walk. You see, when the church comes to rely on its money, when the church comes to rely on its own resources or its own power or its own assets in order to make a difference for God's kingdom, the church actually becomes weakened. But when we can acknowledge all we have is the power of the risen Lord Jesus Christ, all we have is the power of the Holy Spirit. All we have is the power of God the Father working through us. Then we can be used by God in all sorts of ways because it's God's power at work and not us. It's not about how much silver and gold we have. It's not about how much resources and wealth anyone has. It is just simply being open to that nudging of the Holy Spirit when he says, that person there, 
I want you to go and, and reach down and lift them up. Whatever that looks like, whatever that means for you, how is God calling you to do what Peter did and reach down and lift someone else up today? So as we think about people in our lives, we think about people that God brings across our path, I want to encourage you to think about what is that next step? What is that one next step that God might be calling you to take to show something of his love, something of his kindness to those around you today? And as you think about that, let me leave you today with the words of a poem written by St. Teresa of Avila, which talks about us as the church being the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. Christ has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks with compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, you are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. Let's pray. Lord, we're challenged by those words that now as followers of you, we are your body in this world. It's not just a nice metaphor, but Jesus, we are your body. We are your hands. We are your feet. We are your voice to the world, to those who are broken, those who are hurting, those who are needy. And Father, we pray out of the abundance that you have given us, Lord, that we might be able to turn to the world and, and, and say to those around us, even in this coming week, rise and walk. Lord, that we might be used by you to, to give back dignity to those who, who need your restoring touch, to lift up those who are just low and downtrodden. Lord, to, to breathe encouragement into the lives of those who are discouraged and, and disillusioned. Father, to, to seek to be your vessels of peace to those who are feeling anxious and apprehensive. Lord, to show practical love, practical care, practical kindness to those who have deep needs in their lives and in their families right now. Lord, we want to say to you that we are willing. We want to say to you that we're available. We want to say, God, we, we don't have great, great resources and great means to do these things. There's nothing about us that's qualified in any way, but Lord, you just, you're just looking for hearts that are open, and God, ours are open, and we just want to say, here we are, Lord. Send us. We're open. Make us your servants. Holy Spirit, I pray now that for every person listening and watching this message, that you would now bring to our minds and hearts names and faces of people that you would have us move towards this week with your love, with your kindness, and with your compassion. That in Jesus' name, we might show your restoring love to those in our lives and in our world. And we want to do all this not for any glory of our own, not for anything... Uh, for ourselves, Lord, but simply for your name and for your glory. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.